Welcome to the One Minute Preceptor Podcast, brought to you by Med School Coach. Each episode, get clinical rotation advice and tips to prepare for your externships in healthcare. We interview preceptors and physician educators who will prepare you for your rotation and improve your clinical experience. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Today, we have Dr. Elsie Coe an interventional radiologist and founder of Lead Physicians, which trains physicians in leadership skills essential to the healthcare environment. Elsie, nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. So quick question for you. What is the most outrageous thing that you've seen in the academic medical setting? Gosh, Chase, that's such a (laughs) broad question. I've seen a lot of things, and I'm sure medical students have too. I mean, my husband's a physician too. He comes back with outrageous stories of morbidly obese people at NYU, patients having sandwiches hidden under their rolls of fat, a hip dislocation with maggots growing on the bone, crazy stuff, and that's in Bellevue Hospital. But for me, it was less crazy in terms of that, but I went into interventional radiology, and I would see patients where I thought for sure is going to die. Someone with a massive pulmonary embolus, and you can see blood going into their endotracheal tube during the procedure when we're trying to clean out the clot in their pulmonary arteries. But the next thing I know, like a month later, the guy stops by the interventional suite and says, thank you very much and see you later. And we're like, what? Wait a minute. That's the same patient who was like hemorrhaging on our table. Just some of the craziest things... It's amazing what we can do for patients. You don't even realize. Yeah, I think a lot of students, especially earlier in their career, aren't that familiar with interventional radiology, what it actually is, what it does, how detailed some of these imaging modalities and other techniques can be. And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and your history and a little bit about why you chose IR. I would encourage more medical students and especially women because the paucity of women in this field, eight to 9%. When I went to it, it was only 1%. But basically it's doing procedures under x-ray guidance, CT, ultrasound, MRI, using imaging to do minimally invasive surgery. And I'm even super specialized on top of that. So you'll see interventional radiologists working in the hospital. You'll see them working in the outpatient center. You'll see them in private practice and academics. There's a variety of things. If you like technology and if you like the patient contact and you like radiology, you like the imaging aspect and you're really good with your hands, this is the field for you. I love it. Yeah, I think the first time I even heard of interventional radiology was probably the end of my second year. So it definitely wasn't something that really was parsed out as far as the different subspecialties in radiology. You kind of, as you're studying in the textbooks, you just consider everything in one specialty. You don't notice how far down it can go, how specialized and subspecialized everything can get, all the branches associated, I guess. Right, absolutely. And I found interventional radiology my fourth year in medical school during a sub-internship. There was a student ahead of me by one year, and he was really interested in it. If you want to figure out what you really want, don't let just luck find you. You need to go out there and figure it out. So you need to go figure out what are all the different fields. Go immerse yourself in what's available. If you like technology, if you like making diagnosis and the academic side, do you like to research? Do you like to have patient contact or not? Do you like to engage in conversations and discussions about the possible differential diagnosis and want to go into primary care? 
there's just so many different avenues that you can go to that you probably don't even know. And sometimes they don't introduce them to you in medical school. And it's a matter of networking with people, talking to people, just putting yourself out there like you haven't before. And maybe you're shy, maybe you're not used to, I was like that. And certainly I'm telling you now as a much more confident person than I was back then. So I'm just saying, try to make your new mantra that you're comfortable being uncomfortable. You push yourself a little bit to discomfort and you start researching and looking and instead of just letting things happen randomly to you, then you're going to be so much happier in the long run. Yeah, networking early seems to be something I'm hearing more and more from physicians now. And it's not always easy to make those networks, especially if it's outside of your own school, your class, your small group within the medical field at that point in time. So if someone was interested in maybe learning more about this, but was on the fence, they weren't quite sure if they wanted to go out of their way to find a clinical rotation, for instance, in this specialty, because they maybe don't have one available at their school or limited numbers. What are some things they might want to know ahead of time, some interesting facts about this subspecialty? The good news about this generation going into medicine is you guys have the internet. I didn't have that. I mean, I had what I had right there in my local environment, and that was it. You guys can search YouTube. You can see the, you can actually see what interventional radiologists are doing. They show you exactly how we're scrubbed in, what we're doing with the wires, catheters, and balloons, what kind of procedures are out there. It's all out there. It's amazing. And if you wanted to speak with somebody, their societies, the Society of Interventional Radiologists, they do see there are medical students who go to the national meetings. And now that it's probably going to be virtual, you can attend a virtual meeting and you can meet residents, I'm sure, who are interventional radiologists, and even faculty members at different academic institutions. Just a variety of ways that you can find out about the field that you could potentially be interested in. Okay, that's good to know. And there are some other platforms coming out that are aimed at trying to help students find rotations, especially niche rotations in certain locations, especially that they might be able to try if they can't get a hold of maybe a busy resident. They might not always have the time for a student just looking for a rotation. What do you think is a particular struggle that a new student would find going into this? Something that maybe they haven't run into before or just a common obstacle? The most common obstacle that comes right to mind, your own self. <laughs> I mean, literally, I think majority of people may not be happy with their jobs, not happy with some aspect of their life, whether time and money freedom, their they might have a lot of doubt. It's a matter of really developing. And I wish somebody told me this when I was a medical student because I didn't know this. There is so much more out there now in personal development and books. And like Jim Carrey, if you Google him, he's a famous actor and your generation might not know him, but he was in Dumb and Dumber and all these like really funny movies back in the day. He was a starving artist. He was not famous at all when he first started out. And he went to the self-help section in the bookstore. You don't have to do that anymore. You could order on Amazon or, you know, Barnes & Noble, whatever bookstore. And he would start reading books. There's so many books like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And you could just find a myriad of books. And I'm sure, like, Chase, you're probably a great resource for them. But if you start studying and developing yourself, because you're the one who's probably limiting yourself the most, and you start getting bold and being the person that you want to be, you wrote this check to himself. Watch the YouTube video. 
he wrote a check for $10 million and he put it in his wallet and he would drive to Hollywood at the top of this hill and he would visualize every single day he's going to get $10 million for his first gig that in three years, he's going to be paid $10 million. And he would start feeling, you know, really great. He would start feeling confident about, you know, his abilities. And he goes, you know what? I don't have it yet, but it's here. And the check would just like slowly, like, you know, become frayed and <laughs> it's like falling apart. But in three years, he signed a contract for Dumb and Dumber, the first movie that he was in for $10 million. So I'm not saying, Go out there and think, oh, I'm going to make $10 million. I'm just saying, pick a dream. Pick a dream that you want. Find out what it is that you're good at. There's so many tools online, too, to figure out what that is. Your strength finders and there's personality tests, too. Talk to people. Go figure it out. Go look and see what else is out there. And you'll be amazed. You could start making phone calls. You could start doing research. And then you're going to find a way to get into the field that you want to be. Because you don't want to be stuck in some residency that you're going to be like, oh my God, I wasted four or five years of my life and then switch. Cause I have friends who did that. They switched from, you know, primary care to anesthesia. And then you're going to spend another like what, four or five years. You mean training for another 10 years. So I kind of take away here a very important aspect. I think I was just having a conversation with someone recently about this is to really think of your ultimate goal, your dream, that end point, and then everything along the way, is just one of those pathways, those obstacles that you need to get past to get to your dream instead of focusing on the obstacle itself, like focusing on school, focusing on a rotation. That's just a stumbling point. You need to have a bigger picture instead of just being the working ant, looking down at the ground and doing your job. And as you get along, you go along your way. You need to be like the eagle in the sky looking down at what am I doing? Where am I going? Who am I? And work from that vision as if, almost as if it's already happened to you. Like, I'm going to say, you know, if I'm a medical student and I'm like, wow, I really love interventional radiology. I love the technology. I love the personality of the people who it attracts because we're really different from vascular surgeons who do the same procedures or cardiologists. I'm biased, I know. You visualize, you know, you do your rotation. You really love it you visualize yourself being in a very successful practice and you write it down, write it down. Like if you write it down, you're twice as likely to happen. That's what studies show. Write it down and read that every day. With that in the forefront of your mind, you're going to take steps that you wouldn't have otherwise. I think that is great advice and maybe keeping some sort of journal of not only your end goals, but some of the steps that maybe you're making and show those little small successes along the way that help to keep you motivated, especially for long periods of time when you have these really large goals, sometimes just waiting for that goal. So one of my mentors, Bob Proctor, look him up on YouTube. He's phenomenal. He's going to be 86, I think, pretty soon, or maybe he just turned 86. He basically says there's three types of goals. Okay, there's an A-type goal. It's like your everyday to-do list. A B-type goal is something that you really would love to have, but it wouldn't take that much work for you to get it. Say you had a Jeep and it's a 1998 Jeep, but you really want to have the 2020 Jeep. 
So it's just going to be a little bit harder because you're going to have to work at it to get the money and the finances, whatever. It's just like something similar, but it's just, you know, it's not a dream goal. A C type goal is something that is a dream goal, something you've never done before, something that would get you really excited, that really resonates with your core values and wouldn't hurt anybody. That's what you need to have on your goal card. And then every day, what you should do, if you're going to talk about journaling, is not only read or write that goal down, but then write three small action steps that I'm going to take today to work towards my goal. And it might be the type A goal, right? Because you're doing your to-do list. Or it could be a B type goal because this is how I'm going to get there. You know, how am I going to get from New York to Los Angeles? I, I need to get to Chicago first. And then I'm going to get to Denver. And then I'm going to get to Los Angeles. So that's how it works. All successful people do that unconsciously or not. That's how they do it. They think about what they want. They have a vision. You need to have a vision. I was going to save some of the more leadership type discussions till later, but since we're already in here, you know, this is extremely interesting information. I like these things. I tried to add more to my personal use all the time, but sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes you fall off track. You don't keep as good of records as you should have, or you know, some other way, you just kind of lose your momentum. Since you deal with physicians in leadership roles and training them in these skills, do you have any specific advice maybe for the medical students that might be struggling or just needing more tools to succeed? Yeah. So find a mentor that you want to emulate. Be a great follower. You know, in order to be a great leader, you want to be a great follower. What does it mean to be a great follower and watch, be very observant about the different leadership styles that you see because you're going to see ones that you don't like and you don't want to be like. Now, I've seen plenty of those when in residency. And then you're going to see ones that you're just, wow, you're amazed. And, and surround yourself with people that you're attracted to in that way. Because I feel like in medical school and residency, we're not taught leadership. And some people are lucky because they found people who they wanted to follow and they went for them. So you need to put yourself in the right direction. Surround yourself with five people. The five people you hang out with the most are the most important people to your development. If you have a lot of naysayers in your friend group, it's time to say goodbye. You can still be friends with them. They could be acquaintances. They're not going to be your closest friends. So that's my most important advice to you. And then Use all the rich internet resources and books right now. That's the beginning of your journey as personal development. If you know that you're not a great leader right now, but maybe you want to be and you want to be stronger, more confident, start reading some books, some great books out there. Yeah, and a resource that I think students often overlook and something I use all the time is just your local library. They have a lot of audiobooks and digital eBooks for many of the most popular leadership, finance, any kind of book out there you could think of, go your local library. So it's a great resource, especially for those of us on a budget. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. There's so many books out there. And then you could, you know, share with your friends, find people who want to do the same thing and you could just trade books. Oh, I'm going to buy this book, you buy that and we'll swap or whatever. So That's a good idea. I know some states even have book swaps in neighborhoods. You can drop oh, off yeah. one and pick up another. It's really cool. Are there any skills that a preceptor or instructor in IR might want to develop or be better at to become a better teacher for their students? Yeah, absolutely. It's so important when you're talking to an audience 
whether it's residents or medical students or the public or other physicians who are already attending, then it's very important to understand where they come from. So if you're just giving the same talk, all the group, the same exact talk, it's just going to go over people's heads. So you need to understand, that's why I'm asking you, who am I talking to here? <laughs> because before we got on this call, talking to the medical students, I need to understand where they're coming from. And I know where you're coming from because I've been there. So it's really important not only to listen for the questions. So if I'm talking over your head, we're not exchanging words with medical students and myself, I could do that. But because I understand where you're coming from, where I feel like I can speak at that level. So it's very important to really study who you're speaking to and then listen and then ask questions and make them feel comfortable to ask questions. Because if you're that type of person who seems very overly confident and strict and scary, no one's going to ask you any questions. And you want to foster that kind of environment. And that's the same thing as a leader in an organization. You want to be able to understand what the employees are doing. What do they need? Let them come to you for any concerns, conflicts, ideas, comments, criticisms about even myself. Then you're going to have a much more successful company or organization because you're going to be that type of person who knows, oh my God, this is what we're missing in the front lines. And I didn't realize that. You need to be there for them. And that's the same thing as just giving a talk to medical students. It sounds like the same tactics that you can use for speaking to someone in business can be used for speaking to a student is first off, you need to find out. Absolutely. The same leadership skills apply. Find out where they're at and then how you can get the information to them in a way that they'll understand. I used to be really scared to raise my hand in class or really scared to speak in front of people. And that's something that you can learn. I used to be that scared rabbit. My hands would start sweating and I have dry hands. <laughs> and the words would not come out because I'm just so scared about what other people think about me. So there are skills to learn. And now when I speak on stage, it's like I'm talking to you. It's like I'm talking to you in my, in my family room over coffee and I'm petting my dog. You know, it's just like I'm in my pajamas and I'm talking to you. So it's learning how to focus your attention, not on yourself. It's focusing on not what people think about me. It's what does the audience think of themselves? We've covered a lot of questions regarding students and preceptors now. Well, one on preceptors in particular. And I know you have a lot more information for the medical student audience or even the instructor preceptor audience. What are some good ways to get in touch with you? So you can follow me on social media. Um, I know the younger generation, like my kids are 18 and almost 16 and they don't do Facebook. But I am on LinkedIn. I started Instagram, YouTube, and really a lot of on Facebook. So I have a ton of videos that I'm putting out with interviews of other physician leaders to talk about leadership. And you can reach out to me there. I think that's very important for even the student audience to look out for is just to gain some insights from physician leaders right now, ones to potentially model themselves after. They might not have a, a local coach or mentor, but they can use your lectures, your interviews, to base their future actions off of and get some great advice from. Yes, and I understand that you know medical students and residents can't afford the coaching that I deliver to physicians. And so I've developed this whole online platform to really teach physician leadership through what I've learned in my past and through networking with so many other physicians and how they got successful. 
my new course is launching the summer. I was thinking going forward, I'm going to save aside a percentage of whatever profits that are made to allow select residents to come in and learn leadership at a severe discount because I know that it's hard for residents. There'll still be a cost because if I give it out for free, you're not going to take advantage of it and you're not going to try. <laughs> That's just study show. It's going to be at a resident rate and it's going to be partially funded because I'm going to use proceeds to help residents too. So a scholarship basically. Yes. Do you have any other thoughts or recommendations for the student audience? Just know that you're not defined by your past results, even your current results, that your future results are completely different. You start with a clean slate. If you've had so many failures in the past, that doesn't define you. Your report card, if your parents are telling you, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't get to where you're supposed to be, don't even listen to that. Your future is not defined by your past. It's defined by right now what you're going to do, the direction that you're going to point yourself in. Bob Proctor, my mentor, never even finished high school. I think he's multimillionaire or almost a billionaire. I'm not saying that money is everything, but I'm saying you cannot let people tell you about what you're worth. You're worth so much more than that. People only reach 10% of their potential in general is what they say. So switch that mindset and know that you have a God-given talent that you need to tap into. I think that is a great place to end this on. Dr. Elsie Ko, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Good luck to you, Chase. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Are you looking for productivity and study coaching? You can now register for a free 30-minute session with me, sponsored by Perspective Doctor. To register, go to perspectivedoctor.com slash chase and register for a 30-minute coaching session. And if you decide to use our MCAT or USMLE tutoring services, you can now use the code CHASE10 and receive 10% off of your purchase of up to $400. Just enter CHASE10 to get your discount now. The One Minute Preceptor podcast is powered by Med School Coach. To access Med School Coach services like USMLE tutoring or residency admissions advising, visit our website at medschoolcoach.com. Good luck as you prepare for your board exams, and we hope you tune in again next time.